CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-88-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Friday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We're wrapping up this week. And again, we just want to encourage you to give us a call if you've been reading your Bible. Someone's asked you a question. You've got a question. <clears throat> That's why we're here each and every weekday afternoon, live radio, to answer those questions for you and give you what the Bible really says. You know, so many ideas, thoughts, and quite often crazy stuff on the Internet is all because of somebody who hasn't read the Scripture or um, just takes a verse and, and runs with it. What does the Bible really say about that topic? And so we want to just encourage you once again to give us a call. The number again, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. You can be part of the program today. Got some lines open, and so just want to encourage you to do that. You know, I was looking at the Internet yesterday, and I was reading about these people who try to diss on the Bible. And they said, well, you know, it's so, Bible's so full of contradictions. Here, uh, God told uh, Moses not to have any idols, and yet he put a, a, a bronze snake on a stick when the people of Israel were bitten by snakes and told to go worship it. See, the Bible's full of contradictions. Well, the poor person that wrote that just showed their ignorance, because never in the Bible does it say to worship it. It says to look at it. And you know, it's not till we look at our sin that we can ever do anything about our sin. As long as a person goes around saying, well, I'm not a sinner, too bad about you. No, it's when we look at what we've done. And um, in fact, by the time of Nehemiah, he took that serpent and crushed it because the people were worshiping it. Nehushtan, a thing of brass is all it was. But never was God ever, nor did any pastor or uh priest or uh, anyone ever command the children of Israel to worship that. And you'll find a lot of times these people with these crazy, crazy things they say are simply based upon them really not knowing the Bible. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call. If you want to be part of the program today, joining me today, special guest from Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. And uh, Brad, what a blessing it always is on Friday to have you with us. It's always a blessing to be on the show, and uh, I always uh, look forward to the uh, unique questions uh, that we're going to get and, a, and a, just the, the great opportunity to uh, try our best to, to respond to them and, uh, with, uh, with, the, with the word. And uh, so I'm looking forward to it. Okay, Attorney at Law, I've got a question for you. Okay. We have, we have random pandemonia going on right now in Washington, D.C., you know, Joe Biden um, was found innocent, even though these papers that he had were top secret. It was just because of his mental condition that they let him off. Now, if a person is let off because of their mental condition, should they be president? Okay, attorney at law, I ask you this question. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So they said that basically he was not mentally fit to stand trial. I mean, that's huge. That's not, you know, a, a minor. For someone to be mentally fit not to stand trial, they have to have, be really deficient in cognitive function. And, and they, their determination 
after five hours of questioning him was that, you know, he couldn't remember things that were, he should have remembered and, um, you know, dates or places or times or, uh, and the like. But one of the most interesting things that was a real, uh, I think wasn't focused on enough in the media was the fact that he said, look, um, you know, I didn't know I had these documents. And then in another time in the interview, he says, yes, I had those documents because I was going to use them to write my book. So in the same interview, he said two different things. Uh, I think part of this may be his mental capacity. I think part of it is also the, fact, the extent to which he's lying and not remembering what his earlier answer was. Uh, I think part of this, unfortunately, is his, his character uh, coming out. Um, he's lied many times. Um, and I think it's not just, just about every speech. Yeah. So I don't think it's just his mental condition. I think there's actually a, a serious character issue that he's having a hard time covering up because he's not remembering uh, that well. So it's it's just sort of coming to the surface in, in that regard as well, both mental capacity um, and character. It's I've never seen this ever in U.S. history where a president was determined mentally unfit um, and I mean, I just, I've never seen that happen before. And, uh, the, you know, the only way this can be, uh, addressed by those on his party is number one, under the 25th amendment for his, you know, all of his, his cabinet to unanimously vote that he is not mentally competent. That's not going to happen. Um, and second is would be for, uh, him to just simply personally decide and be persuaded, say, you know, not to run again, to withdraw. That's not going to happen, especially with his wife uh, wanting to uh, stay in the Oval Office another four years. And then the third scenario would be uh, him having some uh, serious uh, mental, uh, some kind of serious physical accident or possible fatal accident um, or, or, or a condition that, that comes uh, to the scene. Um, you know, that is not likely, but at his age, that is possible. Um, you know, hopefully there will not be a foul play if something like this happens. But otherwise, uh, he's going to be the nominee, and uh, if one of those three things don't kick in, he will be the nominee, and uh, there's really not much that can be done about it. So he's not mentally stable enough to stand a trial in which absolutely he was guilty of. Otherwise, you wouldn't find this kind of a of a verdict from the judges. Right. Uh, he's not capable of standing trial, but he's capable of running an entire nation. Something here is just with the Democratic Party just doesn't line up anymore. Yeah. Or with the invasion of our borders and everything, do they have a master plan to oversell America? Well, I got to tell you, that's what it is, friends. A one-party system in which out of the ashes, when everything collapses, the new beautiful communistic America will arise. Boy, I'll tell you, uh, it, there, it, it, it cannot be by accident on the southern border. Um, uh, Brad, wh what you're thinking when you had in, in just the year 2022, more people cross the border illegally than live all in the state of Idaho and Wyoming combined. Yeah, and uh, then if you add all the illegal immigration that's come into our country, during Biden's administration, you then can add North Dakota, South Dakota, 
and probably Montana as well, more people crossed the border illegally than lived a lot in the Northwest. Now, um, I, I just read about where there's a contraction. Uh, we don't have very many jobs again. Um, what are you going to do with these tens of millions of illegal people? For Now, it's interesting. The, the immigration department will actually fess up to 5,000 or 5 million, excuse me, in the last couple of years. And we know they've never been honest. And what about all the mules carrying the drugs across the border? Are they being counted in this number? Of course not. Right. What about the ones that are coming across the border now in boats? Uh, I read a thing about San Diego down there where you live, uh, that they had a whole bunch of people come across uh, around and then uh, crash the beach. Uh, what, you, you know, you know, as an attorney, can you please help all of us make some sense out of this? Why would you let all these people into your country, tens of millions, you have to put them all on welfare on already a strained American, uh, or, you know, 34 trillion plus in debt. And this is not going to make it better. Uh, we don't have the jobs to support this, the infrastructure, the houses, all those things. Why would you please give me some kind of scenario? Now, see, cause I, people, I go, Oh, you're mega. You're just mega. No, this goes back to the late 1950s, how Khrushchev says we will destroy you. And, and in fact, on president, on president's day, taking the place of to every man and answer, I'm going to run a special exposing the American news media for all of its rottenness that it really is and going over Ben Corson's, um, uh, Colson's, um, uh, expose on the 50 things that the Communist Party would do to America to overthrow it without firing a shot. Friends, I think this is really interesting. I can't think of a better day to do it on than, than President's Day. And again, the first part of the program, we're going to go over the American news media, uh, how Hillary Clinton accuses Trump of, of Russian collusion. When in fact, she was the one on the multi-million dollar uranium deal with the Russians. You see, you accuse somebody else of what you're guilty of to muddy the waters so the American people can't really make heads or tails of it. When they discovered these papers that these top secret documents that Biden had, they knew he had them. They knew it was going to come out in the news. So immediately they staged a raid on Mar Largo. And look, Trump has these papers he's not supposed to have. Well, legally, he had a right to have them. He was the president. But Biden did not. He was not the president. And he had him. And that's what this whole thing about. Right. Well, yeah, I had him because I was going to write him for my memoirs. And then, oh, I never had him. I didn't know I had him. I mean, I mean, they declare him to be mentally not fit to stand trial. Yet run the United States. I don't know. How do you how would you tell the American public that everything's OK in the White House when you see this kind of blatant lies. There's no other words for it. Yeah. Um, well, first, uh, there, Biden is not sitting alone in the White House. We know, as you know, uh, that it's actually, it's his organized staff uh, that are running everything. Um, and these are very leftist, Marxist, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Who are 
running his administration, dictating what to do, where to go, uh, policies, giving him a script. So they're, you know, the, uh, if, if the Democrats have any kind of consolation, it's that, well, he's not actually running everything. It's actually being run by these people behind the curtain who, by the way, they stay behind the curtain. So no one knows who they are. Sort of like the Wizard of Oz. Uh, which is uh, very alarming and, and concerning because we didn't vote for those people behind the curtain. So that's that's one concern. With regards to uh, the uh, people pouring across the border and the administration deliberately, premeditatively, his staff allowing the do- the borders to be opened with as many to come, to be welcomed in, um, this is deliberate. It's not accidental. He deliberately, with his pen, reversed Trump's policies that was keeping the border safe and secure, uh, preventing human trafficking, preventing fentanyl from coming across the border. Well, because of Biden, his policies, um, human trafficking is increasing dramatically. Um, little boys and boys and girls being sexually molested, over 50% have been sexually molested, according to one study. And over, uh, over 100,000 Americans have died from fentanyl uh, across the country. And these are people who... T- who took it necessarily deliberately, it's often infused into marijuana. So a lot of Americans are doing, you know, taking marijuana, this, and, and then they're suddenly dying. So it's, uh, it's hitting a lot of people, a lot of families. Uh, but make no mistake, it is premeditated. It is done for one purpose, and that is to, for them to come into America deliberately so that they can then become voters and, you know, citizens voters and give the Democrats a complete veto power politically uh, to cause uh, Texas specifically to become a solid blue state within five or 10 years. Um, That is their game plan. What they weren't expecting was the governor Abbott of Texas to say, not on our watch. Uh, We're going to send these to Chicago, to Denver, to New York, to DC. Uh, It's just what he did. And now all these governors and mayors who were saying, Oh yeah, we're a sanctuary state. We're a sanctuary. Oh yes. Now they're saying, oh shoot, we really didn't mean it. We didn't think they'd actually come, come here. Uh, we've got a problem on our hands. Um, so Governor Abbott is, is a hero of mine. And I think he's a hero of many Americans where he's, uh, he's standing up to this tyranny and the, the people of Texas are standing up to it. And I have so much respect for the, the people of Texas Amen. trying to protect and defend not just the state of Texas, but also the United States and the ability for us to have fair elections, and the voice of Americans heard on Election Day instead of 10 to 20 million uh, people here who are uh, here they illegally. They into our country illegally, and, right. and uh, they never paid any Social Security. They never they got free money. Isn't right. that what they always teach? You know, when they took over in Venezuela, the communists, and uh, Guatemala, vote for us. Vote for me. Everything is free. Free health care, free college, free, free, free. It's all free. They got into power. They didn't deliver anything. We had people on this radio network, on this program from Venezuela that said they would come to our house. They would kick the door in. They would walk through our house, take whatever they wanted. The the army, the thuggistas, if you will, would come in, take whatever they want, and they would leave. He said they had no regard. Once they got in power, increase the power, deny everything you ever said to get in office. And again, what I always tell people, never forget Margaret Thatcher. She said, communism works till you run out of everybody else's money. 
Any government that promises you everything you'll ever want will take everything you have. It's never failed in history. Always remember that. And something else to remember, America, no country has ever survived with its borders overran, ever. We have to remember that. Let's go ahead and go into the phones. We have Frank on the line, Silverdale, Washington. Hi, and welcome, Frank. Yes, uh, good afternoon. Um, A question here in the book of John. I've read the book of John many, many times, and I've never, I've never never caught my eye about this. Uh, It's John chapter 14, verse 31, and I'll read it here. It says, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the Father. Now, here's the catch. Rise, let us go from here. Now, I understand that this teaching here is uh, like the upper room discourse or the departure discourse. It says, so it sounds right right there that he's going to lead his uh, disciples out of the upper room and head for the Garden of Gethsemane. And yet, chapters 15 and 16 and 17 are all powerful scripture, last, uh, last teachings that Jesus makes to his disciples. but. I don't see how that could have been taught on the on the trail or in the garden itself. And so, how where were they at when they were teaching it? That was what I had in my mind. But then now, I what looked verse, at chapter eight. What, what verse was that again? I'm sorry. Fourteen thirty one. Okay, fourteen thirty one. Um, and uh, in uh, in John, let me get over here to it. Sorry. Because again, um, it, it's it's. Well, let me just get to, to it. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and the Father gave me commandment. So do I. Arise, let us go from here. Uh, now, your thoughts on that, real quick, Brad? Yeah, um, yeah. It's uh, well. First off, in in Scripture, it doesn't. Uh, always say, uh, you know, that, okay, now he, she traveled from here to here and then he said these things. Um, you know, we don't know based on what's, what's here. We don't know if he was possibly telling this to them while they were walking. Um, we don't know if, um, you know, if it was, um, you know, the, the, the actual, uh, you know, where, where they actually were. I know you're talking about the, the you know, the, the Garden of Gethsemane and where, where you, as far as moving from there, but, um, I, I can see this as something that he could easily be, could have said on the way, uh, to, uh, the Garden of Gethsemane. That's, that's my take. Yeah, I, I would agree. And, and, uh, I don't think it's a, it's a problem. And Jesus just kind of gives them, you know, you might say a, a final discourse there. So, uh, Frank, I, I hope that helps. Well, I have one more second part to that. I was okay. trying to figure out where they would have taught chapters 15, 16, and 17, because those were heavy teachings, and I don't see how it could have been done on the trail, the Kindred Trail, heading towards the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's no indication in the other uh, scriptures that, that he gave a big, heavy teaching at the Garden. But then I read— Well, he also—very quickly, if you look at this— um, it doesn't say, and I think this is important, we don't add to God's Word. Uh, in verse 31, it doesn't say, Arise, let us go from here. Then Jesus said unto them. It doesn't say that, does it? 
So what we find in chapter 15, 16, 17, we very much could have find this is just where uh, John inserted what Jesus had earlier taught. I don't see that this is a real problem. Because again, it doesn't say that he spoke to them along the road. And this that we're reading here, what you're wondering about, when we get into chapter 15 as an example, that could have been days before or weeks before. And there, here we find it recorded. It just maybe to John seemed like a good logical place to put this in as Jesus was on his way to the garden. There, the things that went down in the garden. And so Jesus may very well, uh, or, or John may very well just inserted it here. And I don't think that's an issue. Not everything in the Bible is, uh, completely chronological. Uh, we, we do know that. Uh, but I believe that if you really look at it, it appears that this was just inserted by John at this particular place. And, um, then yeah. when we get, to chapter 17, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. This is absolutely in the Garden of Gethsemane. We know that's where it's at. But the prediction of Jesus' death and resurrection that we find in chapter 16, I believe, was was uh, before this. Um, and I think this is why uh, it was put in here that John was reminding the reader that this was all predicted uh, as Jesus now is preparing to be the Paschal Lamb to take away the sins of the world. Frank, I hope that helps. Uh, okay, I got one additional point. Uh, okay. On the answer really, and I just discovered it while I was waiting to come on the, the line, uh, verse 18, or chapter 18, verse 1. And when Jesus had spoken these words, then he went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron and went to the garden. And so mm-hmm. that explained to me that he actually had those teachings yeah. either sometime before. Yeah. He just wanted to make sure they were in there. But I, when I first read 1431, uh, and then he went on to 1617 and 16, 15, 16, 17, it didn't make sense to me, but it does now, and you've helped clarify, yeah. and I appreciate that. Yeah, so so uh, again, uh, it could have been something that Jesus had said earlier. It could have been something that he taught there and then with them. Um, but again, uh, you got to remember, these are some of the last words that Jesus would have said to them. And so... Um, I think a lot of people are like this when uh, uh, they leave their friend's house. It's called guest flag. And you, you, oh, and by the way, don't forget this and don't forget that. And, you know, I mean, uh, I've, I've seen a lot of times people's goodbyes at the car door lasting as long as the conversation in the house earlier. But I would still say that these were probably entered in very possibly, uh, some of them before uh, this time, but Jesus, I think, uh, or maybe I should say John, wanting to bring comfort to the readers, because what does happen from the Garden uh, of Gethsemane on are, are, are very tragic and, and very wrong um, uh, concerning justice. Uh, it was a kangaroo court. We know Jesus was tried uh, unlawfully. Herod says, I find no fault in this man then why didn't you release him? 
people always say, and this is one of the great problems that was the, the real problem in Adolf Hitler's theology, is he hated the Jews because they kill Christ. Well, that's the excuse he gave. But who really nailed Jesus to the cross was both the Jews and the Gentiles. Because when when he was declared innocent by Pilate, he should have let him go. But he didn't. It was the clamoring of the people changed justice. That isn't what we do. Otherwise, we have a mob rule. And, and the Roman government was not a mob rule. And so very wrongly, uh, Pilate did this after declaring him to be innocent. I find no fault in this man. Let him go. But it is interesting, both the Jew and the Gentile had a hand in Jesus's crucifixion. Frank, hope that helps. Yes, it did. And if you have time, I have one more real quick question. Okay. As I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, that the Battle of Armageddon was fought uh, at Jesus's second coming when he touched down on the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives. Um, if that's Armageddon, then what is the battle uh, at the end of the millennium? Well, there's not really a battle at the end of the millennium. Satan is loosed for a short while. Everybody during that thousand-year reign has had to live in a perfect government, perfect ecosystem, perfect food, perfect everything. The curse was reversed as Jesus rules and reigns from Jerusalem for a thousand years. Satan, the Bible says, is loosed for a little while. And the Bible says they're given a choice. And the Bible says the sand is on the seashore, so they come against Jesus there. And with the word, just the word, they're annihilated. They're, 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 they're killed. Uh, there's no battle there or anything like that. The battle of Armageddon actually starts right before the second coming of Christ. It's where the kings of the east meet in the valley of Megiddo to fight each other. Those probably from Europe and the Antichrist gang. And what's really weird about that, as Jesus comes back, they switch and they all decide to fight Christ. And uh, this is where we find the end of the Battle of Armageddon and Jesus sets up his thousand-year reign. Frank, stay in line if you like, and we're going to come back after the break. And we are coming upon that break, so we'll see you right back right after this. You know, it's true. Difficult times have a way of focusing us. We have to think about what matters most when it comes to our spending, our health care. This is why so many people are joining MediShare right now. MediShare is a trusted way to save up to 50% on your monthly health care costs. More than 400,000 people have already made the switch. It's pretty obvious why, too, especially now during this challenging season with health care costs and out-of-pocket expenses going up. MediShare can save you a lot of money. The typical family saves $500 a month. MediShare works, too. It's been around for 30 years. Members have shared more than $5 billion of each other's bills. There are different options to choose from to fit your budget. I'll give you the number here in a second. And if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Maybe now is the perfect time to make the switch and start saving. Here you go. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Are you ready to study to show yourself approved? A workman not ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth? In this sad, lonely, and lost generation, people need help. They need Jesus. And who can present the gospel better than you? Calvary Chapel University wants to be a helper of your joy. 
so you can go out and make disciples who make disciples. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today, and you'll earn outstanding scholarships. Most of our CCU graduates graduate early or on time, debt-free, and sound doctrinally. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today. Skip Heitzig is one of our faculty members, and David Guzik is not only a board member, but he just earned his Master of Divinity at CCU. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.edu and apply today and watch God move powerfully in your life. And we want to welcome you back to part two of Termin Benahenser here on this Friday afternoon. And, you know, over the break, I got a newswire that uh, said that, uh, and I'm really glad you're with us, Brad, uh, with Brad Dacus here from Pacific Justice Institute. Uh, the newswire said that the key witnesses in the Mar-a-Lago Trump uh, document papers. Now, mind you, this is coming right after they declared um, uh, Biden incompetent. Um, the key witnesses are, are, are scared because they, there might be death threats against them. Ooh, see, this is the American news media slime that we all have to live with. Because again, the focus is not Mar-Largo. The focus is Biden's incompetence. But no, Look over here. Look over here. Don't don't really look at Biden's incompetence. Look over here to Mar Largo. Uh, the witnesses are being threatened. Oh my gosh. This is how they work. Brad, I've never seen it. This just came in. I mean, they didn't waste yeah. any time on trying to cover the smoking wreckage of Joe Biden in this in this case. Look, if he's incompetent to stand trial. He's incompetent to run the country, plain, pure, and simple. This is second grader mentality, but not to these guys. What are we going to do? Uh, accuse Trump of anything. Uh, he's going to kill the witnesses of Mar-a-Lago. Uh, yeah. I'm serious. Check yeah. it out. NBC's latest story. Man, yeah. and the band plays on. Your thoughts? Yeah, what's significant here is where did they get this information that the witnesses fear for their lives. Um, how, who would who would uh, release that information? Um, I think if anyone released it, it would be the prosecution. Uh, it would be those who are out to get Trump. Uh, so this was a quite potentially something that was released um, by the prosecution because their goal is to get Trump and to keep him from being president. So they may have seen this story about Biden and said, okay, um, hey, let's do a press release or let's leak this to the uh, NBC, to the networks that uh, our wit the witnesses we have are afraid for their lives, afraid they're going to get killed. Uh, let's try to truncate this story to shift the, the direction. Um, I think that's a, a very reasonable assessment of what probably happened. Uh, as far as those witnesses really fearing for their lives, I think it's, it's ludicrous um, you know, the uh, people who support Donald Trump, um, I don't think they're the murderers. They're not the pro-crime people. Um, <laughs> they're, uh, they're Uncle the, Joe's that gang. 
Yeah, yeah, they, they're not the, the pro-crime people. There's a, a leftist political faction that's very pro-crime and um, I don't, you know, has uh, no problem with rationalizing what they do and why they do it. Uh, so I, I really don't think that's even reasonable, uh, but uh, I think this was once again a political move, quite likely initiated by the prosecution. I don't have direct evidence on it, but it just seems to, to be the likely source of where a story like that would come from. Yeah, revelation of these witnesses' identities or substance of their interviews with the FBI dangerously risk exposing them. You know, you look at this kind of stuff and you just realize we have kangaroo courts going on right now. And again, the real issue is Joe Biden's incompetence to stand trial, but yet he's okay to run America. Oh, friends, I mean, they contradict their own words. How how do you get around this? I mean, serious, Brad, this is the logic and the wisdom of fools. I mean, if you're incompetent to stand trial, how is it that you're competent enough to run a nation? Or is Joe never really ran the nation? Yeah. Is he just the puppet out in front? Never man, as you said earlier, never mind the man behind the curtains. Yeah, you know, that's... yeah. My, my, once again, my concern also is is not just say the competency, uh, but the character, the fact that he knowingly had documents that he knew he shouldn't have had, was sloppy with them, had them in three different locations, uh, lied about it, and um, and and then revealed at another time that yeah, this was on purpose. I was going to use this to write a book for my own self benefit, for my own personal profit. Um, we've seen this character display itself with China in dealings through his son, where Biden has indisputably financially benefited from these deals with China um, and Ukraine, um, potentially Russia. So uh, it's, it's, it's really, to me, even more frightening to have someone in the White House that is uh, so quick to sweep America under the, under the bus for their own personal, immediate financial gain and, and benefits. That's what the pattern I see, which is very dangerous. And uh, we, you know, we see it in terms of, of policies as well with regards to, for example, the Middle East. Uh, you know, the Biden administration, the responsible thing to do is to work with Israel uh, for a unilateral attack, not just in, in Syria and in Iraq and in Yemen, but to go to the head of the snake and take out Iran's nuclear facilities uh, to quickly uh, truncate their 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 very uh, development of an atomic bomb in the very near future. We have a lot of security interest on on the line here in the United States, but for political reasons, he's not doing that, knowing that it would spike the price of of oil uh, and gasoline at the pump and greatly cripple any chance he might have of being reelected. So, uh, it, it, people need to look at his policies and what they see and what I see is a president uh, that is self-serving not doing what's best for America, not working to really make America great. Um, it's uh, it's very disturbing. Yeah. Uh, uh, again, I, I don't know. And my next question, real fast, and we're going to go back to the phones. Do you think the, uh, the White House, the prosecutor, had this all ready to go? And then once this declaration was made by the judges concerning Biden, then they immediately released it to take the heat off of Biden. 
Yeah, uh, I uh, I think so. I think the, the the what you just said, the story about the two witnesses. Yeah, it's uh, you look at the timing of it, of the of that being released right right now, right after the other. Uh, that's no mistake. Uh, that is trying to shift people's attention. Unfortunately, many Americans are going to uh, it's going to it's going to work. They're going to it's going to shift their attention. Yeah, and hopefully, sure. And hopefully, forget to uh, ask the question. You know, hey, wait a minute, what's what's going on? Um, and instead, be be distracted. And unfortunately, that's uh, where a lot of Americans are. But many will see right through it, as you did, and and myself, and I'm sure many of the listeners of this program will. Amen. Back to the phones we go. Marie Aberdeen, Washington. Hi, welcome. Hey, thank you. I don't. Uh, I really appreciate you guys being there. I um. I have some questions. I haven't really taken a lot of time to study this out, but I have gray shades and a little bit of confusion regarding Ellen White. Ellen G. White, to, yes. Yeah, and um, apparently they believe that in 1844 that Jesus in heaven has had to be um, doing something with his blood in atonement. And they believe that Jesus is our perfect example of living a sinless life. There's so many things like, I don't think they have a Bible that they actually go by. I know she has a lot of books written, Desire of Ages and many others, but they're like poetic type um, teachings with some of the Bible verses intertwined, but then they put in a yeah. scripture or two here and there. I am, honestly, I can't afford to be going down a false path again. I've spent 50 years coming out of many false doctrines, and I can't, I have to know the truth, and I, I need to know the truth, and I need your help to give me a little bit of well, truth yeah, and, this. And sure, and, and the problem is, I, I've met some seven-day Adventist people. I, I believe they're saved. Uh, they do not follow the teachings of Ellen G. White and, and some of the key points of the uh, SDA, seven-day Adventist movement. Uh, but Ellen G. White was a false prophet. There's just no getting around it. She says the mark of the beast is worshiping on Sunday. Bible says uh, it's a mark on your hand or on your forehead. Well, that's what you think, and that's what you do. No, that is not what the Bible teaches. I suggest they read Revelation 22, what happens to people who tamper with the book of Revelation. God said he'll take their name out of the book of life, and he also says he'll add to them the plagues. When somebody comes along and says that, no, the mark of the beast is worshiping on Sunday— This is total insanity. Well, the Pope changed it in 358. No, they didn't. The early church worshiped on Sunday. Read Acts chapter 20. When they come together, they break bread. That was communion. On the first day of the week, when you come together, Paul says, many other places in the New Testament. But first of all, don't let anybody judge you according to new moons and Sabbath. The Sabbath was not made for God. The Sabbath was made for you. In other words, honor God, take the day off, He'll provide for you in honoring him and his creation, enjoying what God's given you. That's what it's all about. And again, when we understand there is nothing I do to generate righteousness. Well, I don't eat pork. Well, I worship on the Sabbath. None of those things add anything to your spirituality. 
Read Galatians, the book of Galatians. Very quickly, we'll do more, Marie, to probably straighten you out on the SDA than any other thing. He said, who has bewitched you in chapter 3? You begun in the Spirit. Are you going to be made perfect in the flesh? In other words, it's no longer Christ and his righteousness that gets us into heaven. It's Christ and his righteousness and my works. So we go back under the law again. Well, the Bible says, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. The Ten Commandments are not Jesus's commandments. Oh, that's very right. They came to Jesus and they said, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. For upon these two, Jesus said, not upon ten, upon these two, hang all the law and the prophets. Then in John 12, Jesus said, I have kept my Father's commandments. In other words, I have fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. Now you keep mine, John chapter 12, love one another. See, that's what what it is. But no, they they really sweep the blood of Christ under the carpet. Well, it was good, but you've got to get out there and start earning it. This is always dangerous teaching. Yes. The free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is none righteous, no, not one. No good thing dwells in the flesh. If it was possible for us in our righteousness to get to heaven, Jesus would not have had to die on the cross. So we have to understand then very clearly these different ideas. The early church met on Sunday. Now, the Sabbath is not Sunday. The Sabbath is Saturday, always has been, always will be. But we are not under the Sabbath, under the Ten Commandment laws. Jesus is our fulfillment of that, and now we're under Christ's commandment. If you love me, keep my commandments. Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Love your neighbor as yourself. Hey, there should be a day a week that you take off to enjoy what God's given you. Don't let anybody judge you over new moons and Sabbaths, saying that you're sending people to hell because you're worshiping on Sunday. Oh, no, they're hypocrites. Let me repeat that. They're hypocrites. They get in a building on a Saturday. So does the Jehovah's Witnesses. But that is not keeping the Sabbath. You're not allowed to travel so far from your home on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to kindle a fire on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to make anybody else work on the Sabbath. And yet they violate all these laws just getting to their place of worship. I don't mind anybody worshiping on Saturday. Praise God. If you want to worship on Saturday, great. But to worship on Sunday is not sin. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbaths. And if you're a paramedic, you're a cop, you're a fire in a fire department, you, you may have to work on Saturday and Sunday. Your day of rest might be a Tuesday or a Thursday. Yeah, I, I would definitely take a day of rest and enjoy what God's given you. You don't want to work your whole life through and just wonder where it all went. You know, even the world has a term for that called stop and smell the roses. But we can be workaholics and work every day, or we can be lazy and not work any day. Six days thou shalt work, seventh you'll rest. It's interesting, we can be lazy and not work any day. But I think really when it comes right down to it and going back to it, we have to realize that we are not justified because I keep the Sabbath or don't eat pork. We're justified because Jesus died on the cross for us. And that is what makes us righteous. 
And so anybody that comes along and says, well, uh, uh, the Bible obviously saying that the mark of the beast is a mark on your hand or in your forehead, let me straighten the Bible out and tell you, no, that is worshiping on Sunday. This is heresy, hardcore, unadulterated heresy. There's no way around it. I'm sorry. I hate to be so blunt, but you know what? These heresies send people to hell. In other words, look, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm crossing the T's, I'm dotting the I's, look how good I am. What? I'm going to hell on Judgment Day? Yeah, because you didn't recognize what Jesus did for you on the cross. You think it's your works that get you into heaven. And that's what the gospel is, the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If I had to earn it by doing religious things, worshiping on Saturday, not eating pork, all the other commandments, hey, listen, then... It's wages. It's not a gift. Well, look what I did for you, God. Okay, payday, eternal life. Come on, any up. No, the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Your thoughts, Brad? Yeah, I think whenever a religion or a denomination uh, decides to focus on the writings of a man uh, or a woman in this case, yes. to the level that it is at or even above the scripture and the, what what the Bible says, that's extremely dangerous. Um, I think many Seventh-day Adventists don't do that. I think they may revere her, her teachings, um, but those that, that, that take it as an absolute interpretation of scripture, uh, that is extremely dangerous. Um, you know, great theologians uh, throughout history, uh, Billy Graham, uh, Chuck Smith, and and many others, you know, they wrote books, but they never said, thus saith the Lord, this is from God. And, and what I'm saying is from God. And, and my interpretation is absolute. And um, they never did that. They said, you know, it had with a heart of humility, a spirit of humility. They went into the word. They applied the word. They wrote on the word. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and no one, you know, worships any of any of those books. Uh, above this or or at the same level of scripture. So I think that's what really is, is very dangerous. At the end of the day, we have to go back to the word. The word is a final authority. Um, and it's okay uh, to disagree with someone else's interpretation so long as our reference point is the word and, um, and looking at it uh, in its entirety and, and completeness, um, that's the right starting point, not the writings of someone well after the scriptures. Hope that helps, Marie. Hey, can I ask you one really quick question? Sure. Here's my, my my serious thought, but thank you both so much. That really clarifies a lot. But um like let's say when they you go to their um they have prayer where you go on, it's uh, twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, right? Mm-hmm. And um let's just say as the progression of prayer will be praise. Next one will be confession. It goes all the way down like eight different parts of it. So each person can speak like, I praise you, Lord, for you are the Lord God Almighty. But there'll be maybe umpteen people taking turns on their words of praise. Then it will move into confession. They say what they want. Each one of them, they move on. But this is what I'm troubled about. These prayers are in different parts of the world when you go on. You may be on one call with people from 10 parts of the world, okay? Yeah. Wherever. It could be in, and so on. 
so no one gets to say, you're told not to say in Jesus' name, amen, when you go through each part of the prayer. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, let's say I'm in confession. Father, wow. forgive me of my sins. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Okay, so then depending on how many people are on the call, whether it be 8 or 45 or 50, so get this. So you're getting down. You're told at the beginning of the prayer, they call it housekeeping rules. And you're told that you're not allowed to end your um, two sentences per topic, you may say, in Jesus' name. So for that whole half hour, as you're going down. Marie, let me just tell you this real quick. Just, Just let me tell you this. And for everybody listening. Whereby, Paul says, we cry, Abba, Father, we cry, Daddy. You know, when I start seeing rules and regulations, and you can't say this and you can't do that, they don't know Christ. Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this, Our Father, which art in heaven. Daddy, if my kids came to me with a bunch of rules and regulations like you just read, I would say, what is wrong with you? You don't have to do that to come to me. Jesus paid it all. He reconciled us to the Father. And so because of that, I don't have to go to him, well, you know, i got to feel my beads. i got to go through this uh, checklist of order. We just come to him and get in his arms and say, Daddy, this is what's on my heart. And oh, that simplicity of the gospel, where he's our Father, we are his children, and you take all the gunky slime religion out of all of these things, from all these different groups, and just go back to a father-child relationship. And what allows us to have that was the blood of Jesus on the cross. Not because I repeat a prayer over and over again, our Father which I'll be our Father which our Father which I'll be our Father which I'll be for Christ, I'll be for you. All this crazy insanity. If your children came to you Daddy, buy me a bicycle. Oh, daddy, buy me a bicycle. Daddy, buy me a bicycle. Oh, daddy, buy me a bicycle. I want a red one. I want a red one. I want a red one. Bye, daddy, buy me a You would say, you need help, son. You are messed up. They don't know God. They know him as a religion. They have a distant relationship with him. And that's unfortunate because we, through Jesus Christ, have a personal relationship with God. Not far off beyond the stars, but close and personal where Jesus said, I'll, I'll be closer to you than our brother. That's what we want. That's what we want from God. That's what I want for every religion in the world, is to understand Jesus died on the cross for them, and you don't have to go through man's stupid rules and religion to get to God. You just open up your arms, put your arms around him, and say, Daddy. Remember the prodigal son? He saw him a long way off, it says, and he ran and he hugged him by the neck. He didn't say to his son, oh, no, 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 wait a minute. Wait, whoa, 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 I got this list of can and can't do's that you have to check off before you talk to me again. No, he just ran and hugged him. Oh, friends, religion always junks up that simple father-child relationship through Jesus Christ. Yeah, Maria, I hope that helps. Hey, yeah, will you pray for me really quick? I have had nightmares for two weeks. I haven't gone on any of the calls. Like in the last two nights, they've gotten better, but I really got out of it for a while. I've been wanting to call yeah, you all week. Will you please? Father, yeah. we just come to you in Jesus' name. Deliver Marie from, first of all, 
<clears throat> any weirdness got in her life. These spirits and all this stuff, this spirit of religion that tries to replace your love, your blood in our lives. We just ask you that you just reach out. Cleanser, your word says you give sleep to those that you love. So may you do that now. Give her sleep. Those that are listening, God, that have found themselves wrapped up in things they shouldn't have gotten wrapped up in. And these things haunt them as they sleep at night. Father, may you bring your peace. Settle them. And your word says you give us peace, not the way the world does, but the way that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Marie, stay on the line. I'll send you out some books, some DVDs, okay? Thank you, guys. God bless you, dear. If you need us, we're here for you. Let's go to Brian, Fort Worth, Texas. Hi, welcome. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Uh, this is kind of a question for uh, Brad Dagas. Okay. Um, so the uh, re, uh, in the Constitution where it talks about religion, it says that, um, paraphrasing, neither state nor federal government can set up a church, pass laws which aid one religion or all religions, prefer one religion over another, or against the will, force somebody to profess a belief or disbelief in any religion. And so I just, out of curiosity, uh, people are talking about secularism, human secularism, and, you know, worshiping trees and nature and all that. Well, uh, Brad, can you just comment on that? We've only got about... 45 seconds. Yeah, and he's probably, I, I know he's interested in whether there would be a lawsuit here potentially because I've got his uh, his text message uh, that you sent me. So, Brian, I was looking at it um, earlier. Yeah, I, I do not, uh, practically speaking, I don't think a lawsuit would be viable at this time per se. There is a, a, a tipping point with the Supreme Court that we have now. Um, it's possible to make some progress with some extreme examples in public schools, for example, uh, where New Age and things like that, witchcraft, but um, it's it's very difficult. Uh, but but the courts have held that secular humanism is a religion. Uh, they just haven't been willing to be able to apply it uh, for purposes of, of limitation in our public schools. I dream of the day that they will. Um, we need to go back to truth, and secular humanism is not truth. It's a religion. So hope that hope that answers it for you, Brian. I'm sorry it was a short answer. You're welcome, of course, always to call back. Uh, Marie, Chris, Royce, and the rest, please, call us back. We'll put you on first thing on Monday. Brad, thank you so much for being on today. Thank Remember, you. contact his address, um, pji.org. If you need legal help, he's the guy to talk to. Thanks, Brad, again for being on. God bless you all. Have a safe, blessed weekend. Or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes Store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash T-E-M-A. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 